Mom, I can't find my ballet slippers. Honey, have you seen my keys? I am so late. Where's that diaper bag? If you don't get those shoes on in the next five seconds, I am going to lose my mind. Sound familiar? Then you don't want to miss today's episode of The Art of Home. Hello, homemakers, and welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, I am a mom to four grown kids, and I've been a homemaker for over 29 years. Now, if you're a regular listener, welcome back. We are so thankful for you. And if you've just found us, we are so glad you're here. The Art of Home is here to provide encouragement and inspiration for you to practice homemaking as an art with confidence, skill, joy, and creativity. We want to elevate the work of the home in the eyes of the homemaker and of the culture. We believe that homemaking practiced as an art exchanges drudgery for dignity and brings beauty and great value to the ordinary tasks of life. In today's Homemaker Portrait, we are talking to Terry Hall, who has been keeping a home for 40 years. Terry explains how she sees the home as a launching pad and a landing pad and how the discipline of establishing order through homemaking can help facilitate peaceful, happy daily launches and landings in the home. She's learned not to hold on too tightly to her plans because they're probably going to change and be challenged by the unexpected and, well, just by life in general. We talk about her early years and the exhaustion of caring for a new baby and a home at the same time. We talk about how she learned how to read her audience when showing hospitality, and Terry graciously shared with us about her recent cancer diagnosis and how it affected her homemaking journey. Through it all, she has learned to cease striving for what she wants or thinks she needs and to be comfortable in her own journey, learning to love the things that must be done. So whether you are canning some applesauce or commuting to work, we know you will enjoy Terry's story of home. I am here with my friend, Terry Hall. And Terry, before we go back to the beginning of your homemaker story, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are today? Who I am today? Well, uh, my husband, Bill, and I have been, we just celebrated 40 years of marriage. And we have three grown children uh, who are all married. And um, we have five grandchildren, and um, I currently am working full-time at my local church as the administration lead, and um, my husband is semi-retired from um, a lifelong career of uh, high school football and teaching, so which was became a part of my life too. You know, being his his um, yeah. his mate. So um, so we're just in a season of um, say you know a season of just grandchildren and looking forward to full retirement in the years ahead. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, I bet you guys miss sort of the Friday night lights experience <laughs> are you do you still occasionally go hang out and watch a game it's we at the beginning we did I had the hardest time with his retirement than he did of course because Friday nights they were part of my life and yeah. I was a bleacher mom and raised my kids in the bleachers and and um it was who we were. And I love being a part of that. It was an environment that I loved. I love watching my husband coach. 
and uh, just the the impact he had on kids and just being a part of all that excitement. So when that season came, I was I I grieved it over mm, it yeah. and just even saying, man, this is such beautiful weather. I feel like I should be at a football game. <laughs> and um, so it was a season that it was not easy. We did go back. We have gone to a few games, but it's different. Yeah. When it's when it's not your husband, your team, you know, I enjoy it, but mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit different. I'm so. sure. I'm sure it is. Well, but you have exciting things ahead yes. to look forward to as yes. well. So well, all right, let's go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And when did you first become a homemaker? So I was a very young mom or wife, I should say, not mm-hmm. mom. Um, I married at the age of 20. My husband and I were high school sweethearts. Uh, we went to different colleges. And um, his. It, we hadn't intended getting married at 20, but uh, he was 21, I was 20. But his dad, uh, my husband was playing college football. His dad had been killed in a car accident going home that weekend. Mm. And um, after a game. And so it just kind of sped things up for us. He was the youngest of six and a lot, a lot of age difference between him and his siblings. They were all married, had families. So we decided we were ready to start our family. And um, I, like I said, we were both in college. I transferred to where he was and, and uh, we got married after my junior year. And, um, so I started life as a homemaker at 20 Mm -hmm. and, um, and I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, (laughs) yeah, we lived in a little single wide mobile home, but yes, we made it our home and, and I very much enjoyed being married and Um. having my own home. So that's interesting. We have a lot in common in that because I was married really young too. And we lived in a single wide mobile home (laughs) while we were finishing up school. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we did for that short season. And it was real special just to make it our own. So, well, when you went into homemaking at the young age of 20, did you have any skills? I was blessed to have some skills. Um, My mom uh, would teach us how to cook. Um, and plus I just had an interest in it. And so I loved recipes. So I would often get her permission to mom, can I try this recipe? Can I cook tonight? You know, and make unique things like homemade ravioli or something that wasn't typical of the, of what we normally ate, just wanting to try new things. And, um, so that was something I always had an interest in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my husband, he loved to eat homemade cooking. So of course that, you know, definitely inspired me to keep wanting to do better and, <laughs> yeah. and be skilled at that. So yeah. which skill did you have a learning curve for when you started homemaking? What was especially challenging for you as a homemaker when you first started out? For me, I would say time management. Um, mm-hmm. We, I didn't juggle all, we were both college students. I was working part time plus I, you know, worked really hard at my, at my subject level and, uh, spent a lot of time studying, preparing, you know, for any exams I'd be having. And, um, time management was like, um, we'd be tired, I'd cook dinner, but I wouldn't clean up right away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it would sit and then we'd 
we had kind of a funny thing. I'd be studying. My husband was like, studying? What's studying? And um, he's like, honey, to bed. He'd, just, he'd tell me, to bed, Fred. And uh, <laughs> just as it rhymes. So then I kind of got the nickname with him, Fred. But um, <laughs> us as being college students. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, I can't go to bed. Look, it's 10 o'clock, and I still have dirty dishes, and I need to clean those up. So I had to learn time management mm-hmm. and not letting things sit Mm -hmm. you know you'd eat and then you'd kind of put it aside and go do something else and then come back and uh uh-oh there it is yeah Uh, I didn't do that (laughs) (laughs) right I think that's a big challenge for most people (laughs) so you did work and went to school when you were first married Mm -hmm. did you ever work outside the home after that period once I um I did I I was blessed with the a great career right before having children. I was the the director of student financial aid at University of Mary Hardin Baylor, and um, loved that. It was a co- that college environment. Being a part of that scene was a lot of fun, and just helping students um, do that. But it was a very um, demanding job. It very it had its season, just like my husband's football seasons. Um, summers were my heaviest time of getting everybody's financial aid packages ready for fall registration. So when I became pregnant, I just, it wasn't a life that I longed for myself. I knew myself well that I wouldn't be able to juggle at all. So um, I, I stepped out of that role and became a full-time mom. And so that season was short and the full-time mom was a much longer season. There were times that I would take on some part-time jobs and roles um, that I could do either from my home um, and during that season. And I continued doing doing that until our youngest um, was in high school. Uh, and through her high school years, I can I did some part time things, mm-hmm. but full time not until my kids were out of the home. So right. right, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about balance and scheduling and things. You said that was a learning curve for you in the beginning. So, mm-hmm. at what point did you feel like you sort of had mastered that? And what were some of the things that you did as a homemaker to balance all the things and make sure you got done what needed to get done? So growing, you know, with the growing family, um, what I, because that was being distracted is something that would often happen for me and not staying on (laughs) task and focus. And um, I had a t-shirt back in the day that it said, oh, forget housework. I'm busy being creative. (laughs) And so I'm like, yes, that's me. Um, So little things like that. But I found I found a book or my mom introduced a book to me called um, The Sentimental Messy. And that was me because I would look at things like, oh, I can see a possibility in this. I could use this to make this or I could, you know, craft something with this or I might need this someday. And or it's special to me. That was grandma's or. And so um, I through her tools of, you know, I learned how to start calling out and and, cre- and carving time. And things that I learned along the way that I still use is I try to keep like a three-week menu plan to where we tend to rotate a lot of what we eat. Mm-hmm. 
And so that it's not weekly, but we do it for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And so um, I try to have at least 21 meals, you know, kind of in my pocket to where I can easily get those, have those ingredients on hand. And so I learned that from that book and that kind of stuck with me and and has stayed with me. Um, Other things I learned along the way, um, even though I wasn't working outside the home, but just caring for kids all day. And and sometimes I even had other people's children in my home that I cared for was learning to um, prep for the evening meal early in the day, start getting things done because I'm a morning person and my energy really starts to lag Mm -hmm. in the afternoons. And by the time your husband walks in the door and there's, you know, stuff, homework and and things, and and then it's bedtime and then I don't have the energy to be the nice mommy at bedtime, you know, (laughs) so um, because I'm tired. So I learned from another mom that lived in our neighborhood. um, She now I didn't master it like her, but when her her children got off the bus. She fed them their supper. They were always hungry right after school. And then, so she kind of flipped things. A lot of people would do a snack. That's how I was raised. You'd have a snack when you got home and then supper would come later. She would have dinner ready for them. And then she would, would clean up. And then if they wanted a snack, they could do that before bedtime, have a snack. But wow. she, her, her kitchen was immaculate. Her home was immaculate. And, you know, I just thought, because her kids were always at my house when mm-hmm. I was fixing dinner. <laughs> and I'm like, don't y'all need to go home and yeah. go eat? Oh, no, we already ate. We ate as soon as we got off the bus. And I'm like, oh. And so I kind of learned her secret. Well, and so did she and her husband eat at the same time as the kids? Or did they? I'm trying to figure out how that worked logistically. Exactly. And you know what? I don't I don't think so, because I thought of that later this week. I was thinking about remembering that memory, and I'm like, when did he eat? (laughs) So I think she must have set a plate aside for him and uh, when he came in, because I don't think he came home that early, Mm -hmm. you know, like at 4 o'clock. So, um, but for her, she found that was her strength. She'd have it done. Her kitchen was clean. Yeah. And um, and the evening was free, you know, to the kitchen was behind her. <laughs> so. so did you ever try that? So I didn't, I couldn't do that because my head, because we all sat down together as yeah. a family. So what I did was I started doing everything I could ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I did early so that once he did come in the door, we ate pretty quickly. Okay. And, um, and now during football season, he would come in late. So right. we, a plate was always saved for him. We didn't we couldn't wait till eight or nine o'clock at night. So. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, I found that I was a better person <laughs> if I just prepped early and didn't leave a lot so much for myself right at the time when we're all hungry and it's meal time and it's yes. not getting done quick enough. Oh, so. that is such good advice. I always, I don't do this often um, anymore because we're just the two of us now. But whenever I would have the foresight and the and the wisdom to do a crock pot meal and start it in the morning. <clears throat> my future self always thanked my past self <laughs> for having the energy and the wherewithal to do that. Because by the time six o'clock rolled around, I was tired and it was just so nice to already have that done. So that's really good advice. Yes. Just do what you can early. It pays mm-hmm. in dividends in the end. Absolutely. 
Well, how about expectations in homemaking? We go into homemaking thinking it's going to look a certain way and be a certain way. And then sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. And we might be surprised by what it actually ends up looking like. How was that for you? I think for me, um, just interruptions. You mm-hmm. know, you have, and so what, what we used to say, life happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and things come up that you think you have your day planned. Yeah. And it doesn't happen that way. So once again, trying to just redirect myself time management wise. Um, those were, I didn't expect that or just being a homemaker and then uh, big time repairs come and then the funds are and you're like what and so Mm -hmm. maybe your washer quits working and uh, all of a sudden you're having to find the local laundromat (laughs) and loading up your your kids and heading out the door with tubs of laundry so those kind of interruptions for me we kind of picture something being a certain way and then you don't realize yeah life happens and um, it doesn't always turn out that way so don't hold on to your your plans too tightly because it's probably going to (laughs) change exactly exactly well did you face any special challenges as a homemaker and how did you learn to manage those challenges I didn't really have um, hard challenges. I think um, for me, when I when I had my first child, um, I was like shocked at how exhausting that can be. Oh, and yeah. to where I had a sweet friend, uh, she was had been a coworker uh, there at the college where you know where I had been employed. And she came over to see me to see the new baby. And I, and I'm sure she saw the, the baskets of laundry or just things that were sitting around. And, and I had to learn, she just quietly just said, you know, you can just, you know, she was giving me little tips because to me, caring for a home and caring for a baby all of a sudden felt very overwhelming. Yeah. And, um, and so I had to learn how to incorporate my kids into my home mm-hmm. and to bring them alongside me instead of waiting for a nap time yeah. and then okay so what if they don't take a long nap that yeah day? and it's 30 minutes later they're up and they're crying and that all that stuff you had planned in that two-hour time span did not get done so I had to learn this is not working. So I need to just incorporate them into my day and bring them alongside me. And, um, and that's what was a challenge for me early on to learn and just to, to continue to do that. But that once I got that realization, you know, then that came, became easier. Right. So, right. I had a listener ask, um, if we could ask this question, wanting to understand how did you how did you manage your spiritual growth and your walk in the midst of, like you said, just the exhaustion of caring for children and caring for a home? How did you make keep your spiritual growth a priority in your life and make time for that? Well, so I usually tried to do it in the morning and um and and it wasn't every morning. Mm-hmm. And often um, I would get up and I'm like, okay, I'm the first one because I like being the first one up. I like it quiet. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, 
I would have my spot where I'd sit, and then a child would wake up. Mommy, what? Oh, oh, honey, what are you doing up already? <laughs> and and so, and just even though they were kind of groggy, I just kind of tucked them next to my side. I have to be honest, was I a little irritated? Yes, mm-hmm. I was, because my focus right then was, was you know, yeah. separated from what I was doing. And, and just having to realize, okay, this is not going to last as long as I thought it was going to today. But um, I know, in, I knew in my heart it was good for her to see that mommy's sitting here and she's looking at her Bible and she's reading. And even though I didn't spend a lot of time doing that once, you know, my little child arrived to sit with me, um, I knew that was a lesson in itself. So I just, so. um, Yeah, that's great. Yeah, just. That's a great answer. Well, let's talk a little bit about hospitality. Uh, We want to cultivate an atmosphere of belonging and welcome to the people who visit and the people who live in your home. So how did you cultivate that sense of belonging for your family members when they were here, when you were all living here? So I like, I always feel like order brings peace and uh, I kind of see the home being like a launching pad and a landing pad. And if, as they depart out the door, um, you know how if it's a it's a good launch, you can say all the things you wanted to say. Bye, I love you. That kind of thing. Instead of where's my keys and blah blah blah, and I can't find this and that, oh, and yeah. you know, and then it's all frazzled and everybody's frazzled mm-hmm. <laughs> and guilty. I've been there and um, just trying to establish a sense of order you know, where things are, because I know in the moment of when we're trying to leave the house, if I didn't put my keys where I'm supposed to, and then there's this frantic looking for them, um, there's order brings peace. So Mm -hmm. it's nothing to be afraid of. It really does help. Um, And so I try to provide that for my family, um, for those in my home. And then when they come home, just try to have the the home picked up as much as possible when your mm-hmm. husband walks in the door. Um, not granted that it wasn't always that way, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but I tried to. And I think the thing that helped me, even with my own family, is there was a season of time that I did before school care and after, sc- after school care for some, for, for some friends. And the fact that someone was going to have to come to my door <laughs> And pick up their kids, okay, was a motivator that, hey, let's get this picked up, because I didn't want that mom to think that what it looked like five minutes ago with toys everywhere. And so that was always a motivator for me. Company was a huge motivator and just would keep me keeping that picked up each morning that when they, those children arrived, my home was picked up possibly from the night before, or maybe I got up earlier that morning and picked it up before they arrived, just so that when those children walked in the door, there was order and peace too. Yeah. And uh, stuff wasn't just everywhere. Yeah. I love that you're, how you've described this as a launching pad and a a landing pad, and there's value in having the, the order and the peace on both ends. That's a really great way of looking at it. And you, you, 
yes, I am also motivated by having people over to keep things tidy and neat. And it's part of it is probably some pride in there. You know, I don't want them to think I'm a slob, but also I want them to feel comfortable when they walk in my house, not like they've walked into a tornado, you know, um, peace and order do help people feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. in a space. So that's a really great description of that. Thank you. Well, what about hospitality to other people? Were there any particular things that you did or like to do to show hospitality to others when they come here? So I've, I've learned some things along the way. It used to be that um, I would set out my nicest dishes, mm-hmm. and I, I loved to have a beautiful tablescape with all the layers. And I learned along the way that not everybody that comes in your home is comfortable with that. Yes. <laughs> and and so, I mean, just a story. I, I, my daughter had a childhood friend that um, our, our girls would get together and play, but we were totally different moms. This mom had her home was all, the living room was turned into a wonderful children's play area. and. Uh, which was my kids absolutely loved. Yet you came into my home, and of course you had the traditional couch and stuff. So I, I invited her over, because normally the, the kids, her daughters just came over to play. And we just met through the local school in our community is how we, we had met with, up with each other. But I invited her in for hot cocoa with the cute little pedestal mugs and all of that, <laughs> and just on a cute little tray sitting on the coffee table and I instantly could tell she's Mm. not comfortable with this. Oh, Oh, why did I do this? Because all this show, and yeah, it was for show in in many ways. I wanted a nice presentation, you know, and uh, even though, and I wanted her to feel special, um, it was not comfortable. So I've had to learn over the years to learn my audience. Not everybody is comfortable with that. And uh, so out come the paper plates or, you know, <laughs> just more casual uh, hospitality ways to show that. Um, now for holidays, I still do the dishes and, and the finer things. My, my uh, kids, they will humor me and let me have that. <laughs> but they know because they know mom loves to decorate a table and have it yep. look pretty. And I'll try to do that a week or two prior to like Thanksgiving and uh, have the table already really set. With it just being Bill and I, we don't sit at the dining room table except for when we have company. So, mm-hmm. um, but an, one little neat story that we had, we, during our coaching years, we, of course, we moved around. But in one of our stays, um, we lived in this home. We were living in the Rio Grande Valley, and this house that we rented actually had a maid's quarters. Now, we could not afford a maid, but we rented out this one little bedroom efficiency apartment that was off the kitchen. And um, to an exchange teacher, I didn't know that existed, but he was from Germany. Wow. And um, he was a delightful man. And... So we just fell in love with him, and he walked everywhere, and often sometimes I would take him to the grocery store to get his groceries. But we, um, he had, was only going to be there for a year, and his 
he had met and married a woman from the San Antonio area, and they had two children. So somehow he had to work this out where he he would go home every weekend to San Antonio. Well, one of those times um, when he was on, I guess, a holiday break, you know, the Christmas holidays, our travels took us to San Antonio as well. We weren't living in in that area then. And um, we wa- I wanted to look him up, meet his family. Mm-hmm. And because he had become a part of our family. And so we arrived. They were so delighted. They lived in a modest apartment. And they were so delighted delighted to have us there. We entered their home. And it was very simple. Uh, I think maybe one couch. And they had us sit on the couch. And she brought out. A, a plate with saltine crackers and some lemonade. Mm. That's all she had. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel so blessed right now, just like royalty, yeah. because she is sharing her home with me. And something as simple as lemonade and saltine crackers mm-hmm. was, I, I've never forgotten it. It was yeah. beautiful. So you don't have to have a lot of fine things. You don't have to have tea cakes and all of that. You know, you just... um because I was guilty of that. I was guilty of always wanting to make an impression. Mm-hmm. And um, and so just her simple hospitality and the warmth that just filled that room mm. left, left, you know, a memory um, etched on my heart forever. So that's a really, that's a really beautiful story. And I love the way you pointed out that we need to know our audience um, when, when we show hospitality knowing that that woman who came over was not comfortable with the lovely little set that you brought out with all the cute things. And that's, I would have been the same way. I would have done the same thing because I value that. It's important to me. I love to have these beautiful things. And I was drooling over your transferware collection before we started recording. (laughs) We have a lot of the same tastes. Um, And that is what we feel comfortable with. But a big part of hospitality is we're really wanting the other person to feel comfortable. And so that is such golden advice to really know the person that you're asking to come into your space and, and do what makes them feel welcome mm-hmm. and what they're comfortable with. Really great. Thank you for sharing that. We'll get back to Terry's story in just a few minutes. Right now, it's time for Historical Homemaker Hints. This is the part of the podcast where we highlight some of the helpful and not-so-helpful hints doled out to homemakers throughout history. Today's hints come from Practical Suggestions for Mother and Housewife by Marion Mills Miller, published in 1910. Marion was into bento box lunches before it was even cool. The luncheon put up for school children may consist chiefly of sandwiches, preferably several small ones of different kinds rather than one or two large ones. Biscuit sandwiches are generally more palatable to a child than plain bread ones. Besides those made of cold meat, there should be at least one cheese or one salad and nut sandwich and one jelly sandwich. A hard-boiled egg, preferably one that has been cooked for some time in water kept under the boiling point, will vary this diet. Of course, fruit such as an apple, an orange, or a banana forms the best dessert. Occasionally, cake, gingerbread, sweet biscuit, or a piece of milk chocolate may be put in the basket for a pleasant surprise. For many of us, it's time to put the garden to bed for the winter, while Miss Mills has some advice for drying herbs. 
The right way in drying herbs for your kitchen and possible medicinal use is to gather them as soon as they begin to open their flowers and lay them on some netting in a dry shed or room where the air will get at them on all sides. Be sure they're dry and not moist when you cut or pick them and free them from dirt and decayed leaves. After they have entirely dried out, put them in paper bags upon which you have written the name of the herb and the date of tying them up. Hang them where the air is dry and there is no chance of their molding. And finally, do you have an abundance of pears? Marion makes the following suggestion for keeping the pears fresh longer. Lay the pears on a shelf in a dry, cool place. Set them stems up and so far apart that they do not touch one another. Allow the air to move freely in the room in which they lie. Layers of paper or of straw make a soft bed, but the less the pear touches the shelf or resting place, the better for its keeping. So I checked on this one for you, and while Marion's advice is still used to store pears long-term in cold rooms or cellars, you do need to be sure you're storing a winter variety that's meant for long-term storage. Also, pears seem to be pretty finicky about temperature and humidity levels, so be sure to keep a close eye on that. But if you're not into babysitting your pears all winter, they are great for canning, either whole, sliced, or made into pear butter. Enjoy! Well, that's it for today's historical homemaker hints. As always, please remember this segment is for entertainment purposes only, and I leave it to you, the listener, to determine the safety and soundness of this advice. Now back to Terry's story. All right, let's talk a little bit about homemaking seasons. So how would you say your role as a homemaker has changed over time? Well, um, now that we're empty nesters, um, when I wasn't working full time like I am now, Mm -hmm. it it almost, I mean, surprisingly, it almost seemed like managing my home was a little easier. And um, because I'm working full time and I don't have all the kids around, but I'm not, I'm older and um, I don't have the energy like I used to. So even then it, in its seasons, I've had to find tools to help me. Yeah. And the time management thing is staying focus is still always there. Um, a tool that I tapped into um, probably in the early 2000s was a late, it was a, program called fly lady oh yeah uh-huh. i forgot the name of the lady who who started that um but fly stands for fully finally loving yourself finally loving yourself uh-huh. and she just had and at the time back then it was like emails that would come reminding you to do this and just steps and and i bought some of her tools and things like that that is now she has an app and I still pull that out sometimes if I just need something to kind of motivate me yeah. and stay on task. And, um, she has like a weekly home blessing hour mm-hmm. and there's six things that you do for 10 minutes. And, uh, and it is amazing what you can get done in 10, in minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah. And, um, so those little games I have to kind of play with myself to help keep me focused. Yeah. And, um, so things that I learned as a homemaker, being at home with my kids still carry on, have carried on over into this season of my life too. Yeah. So I know the fly lady is very popular with a lot of people. So yeah. Um, and some of her stuff is dated. Like one of her yeah. things 
clean out your magazine rack. And I'm like, magazines? No one has (laughs) magazines anymore. So you can edit them, delete them, make it your own. But it does help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was a a hard transition for you as a homemaker? What was a a season from one season to another? You know, for some, it's the empty nest. For some, it's bringing home that first baby. And you did allude to that. That was challenging bringing your first baby home. Was there anything else that sticks out to you as a difficult transition? No, I don't think the, even entering um, empty nest, um, I like leftovers. So, hey, now I have more (laughs) leftovers. So No problem. uh, Yeah, exactly. And my husband, thankfully, doesn't mind leftovers. Maybe after the third time of eating the same thing. Okay, that's his limit. But uh, I'm kind of boring. I could probably eat the same thing every day. If, you know, if it's making my life easier, I'm happy, right? So. but I would say the just having having the having children enter my home and then all of a sudden not you know having the energy that I used to have yeah. and, and the freedom and so yeah yeah but I can't think of another season where it, it was like an interruption and I had to really learn mm-hmm. I don't buy the same way you know back when the kids were home I would buy in bulk at your you know your big box stores. Um, I don't do that anymore. I just buy pretty much what I need because it will go bad. (laughs) So, you know, three or five pounds of carrots is not going to, yes, that's a great buy, but it's not a great buy if if you have to throw half of them away because they went bad. Exactly. So I've had to learn, I've had to adjust my buying down and so, and not worry so much about the per unit per can savings on this right yeah or you know things like that so are are, are there ways that you're still challenging yourself to grow in your homemaking I think for now um I'm really embracing this uh this YouTube university (laughs) that we have out there and and using it as a motivator to um Maybe if if it's fixing something in my home or just decluttering and reorganizing uh, during COVID, you know, I, I was blessed to still be able to work. Mm-hmm. And so, but a lot of people, you know, either they lost their jobs and, and had that season and they would be doing all these wonderful things, these projects that they had taken on. And I'm like, man, I want to do that. And so I... I did get to do a few things of reorganizing and that brought a lot of satisfaction, not only just having the organization, but I like beauty and simplicity. And, um, and so to bring that element into some of that Mm -hmm. organization was fun and just to make it my own, uh, that this has been kind of a fun season. You know, I have certain people that I follow. I was going to say, what's your favorite, uh, YouTube channel or one or two of them that you like? Well, and, and so I like Clutterbug. Uh She's got her show Cass and on Hulu. Uh Um, I like, um, I like the minimal mom Mm -hmm. and those are two that I follow probably the most. I'm not a minimalist. I mean, it's something maybe I'd like to strive to work towards minimal, minimalizing, but, uh, Right now, my goal is mainly just to declutter and 
and make my life a little simpler, you know, in organization. Mm -hmm. So cool. That's really, that's fun. So how are you intentionally passing on your knowledge to younger women who are coming behind you? You know, we live in an age where there's so much information out there. Right. That even, um, that you can almost feel like, well, what new thing do I have to share? Yeah. Because there's so much out there. And uh, that I I have to be honest, I'm a little bit hesitant sometimes to feel like, well, I don't know if I have any nuggets. So usually I wait till I'm asked and then I'll say, well, this is what I did and it helped me. But um, I can sometimes feel a little bit intimidated by all that that's out there that I feel like, well, they've probably heard that from someone already. So, mm-hmm. so I don't need to be the one to tell them. And, um, but mainly just some of the things that I shared, you know, just allow yourself time to start early in the day, you know, don't let it build and pile up on you because You'll suffer, and then those around you'll suffer if you're if you're frustrated. Yeah, so yeah, that's good advice. So I know that you went through a season uh, fairly recently with cancer, um, and I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about that a little bit and how that affected your homemaking life and what sort of challenges did that present to you and how did you overcome them? So it's been about three years now that I found out I had cancer. And um, because it was a rare cancer, my my ENT, the doctor I was seeing in San Antonio, had highly recommended that I'd go to MD Anderson in Houston, mm-hmm. which is over three hours away. And um, so we wanted to do that because the the surgery itself was going to be a very delicate surgery. It involved my facial nerve and. Um, And I ended up having three surgeons um, with different levels of uh, expertise perform my surgery that day. Um, We felt very comfortable with the MD Anderson experience. I mean, it was a long ways from home. So we opted to go ahead and do the um, the, my radiation Mm -hmm. treatments there which was a six-week period. Okay. And so um, it required, thankfully, they worked with me because it's hard to be away from home. That was a hard decision to make, but, you know, you kind of feel like, well, these doctors, even with the radiation oncologists, they all work in tandem with my surgeons. And so, you know, we just felt maybe that would be the best route. Yeah. But in that... Uh, I missed home. I love home. So um, they worked it out to where my last session on Friday would be like early in the morning, like seven fifteen, mm-hmm. and then we would be free to go home. Mm-hmm. And um, then the my first session on in, on a Monday would be in the later afternoon, mm-hmm. and so the longer amount of time yeah. I was home. Uh, was very, it was very special for me. And then it allowed my husband, because he has flexibility with what he does right now in this season of his life, you know, to be able to take care of those things, but allow me to be home. Yeah. Um, now, 
I did find that your energy wanes, you know, with radiation. I, I did overall well, but you start to see I'm not the same person, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it has taken time. I'm still not the same person. Uh, I have to be careful that even on a weekend, I don't have too many, even if it's family commitments yeah. or social commitments. I I can't ta- I can't accept them all because mm-hmm. I have to have that that day of rest or just of not having to be going, and um, I mean to the point, Allison. I had one of those little iRobot vacuums mm-hmm. that never got and it died during my <laughs> cancer <laughs> because we were gone so much. Did you know that if you leave it on the charger for so long? Uh-huh. It can kill it. Oh, no. So, so that in my season, I killed my vacuum <laughs> because we, I didn't even think about when I'd come home to yeah. even tell it to, to go, go vacuum. Go yeah. vacuum. Yeah. And so I just was not fully present. And, um, but I guess the beauty of that is I didn't have to come home to a lot. I didn't have family to really be caring for. I could just spend that time in resting. So it was a different season for me. And I've learned uh, even energy level, like just uh, not being able to pick up heavier things right. changed for me. And um, I'm, I'm getting some of that back, which is wonderful. But um, I did have to pace myself differently with cancer. So that definitely was a season where homemaking for me did make a change. Yeah. Did that, was that something that sort of was motivating to you now? Because you said you're interested in doing more decluttering, maybe Mm -hmm. getting rid of some things and just simplifying. Was that sort of the catalyst for that, you think? It is. And, you know, there's been times that my husband said, you know, why don't you just hire someone to come in? And I'm too prideful for (laughs) them to see my areas (laughs) where I hide and Uh I have clutter that I don't deal with because they feel overwhelming. And, uh, and I know all the answers. I know you need to just start and it helps. And so, um, but yes, I'm thankful for those people that I had mentioned earlier that I follow that have motivated me to, Mm -hmm. to get started and to do that well. So, well, all we can do is just start, right? That's right. That's right. And yeah. all those minutes do count. <laughs> yeah, they, they really do make do. a difference. They so. really do. Well, thanks for sharing your story about that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about homemaking tasks in the form of some rapid fire, quick answer questions here. Okay. okay. You can do a, a quick yes or no answer or give me a quick answer, or you can tell me a story if you would like. Either way. All right. So a homemaking task that you love. I'm kind of odd, but I actually love washing dishes. I love the feeling of my hands in the warm water. Now, I like to wash them with my sink full of warm water, not where you just have it and you're scrubbing. (laughs) I like to have them in there. I just love the way it feels. I Uh like the way it feels on my hands. And and I have my system, you know. Um, So dishes is not... A problem for me so that's something that I love and I like to make sure they're dried and put away because I don't like things set out mm-hmm. and then getting spots on them <laughs> from the hard water so oh yeah we do have really hard water here so what's your favorite yes. um dish soap to use or, or your favorite scent 
Well, um, I I don't have a favorite scent. I we usually use the Dawn. Just I love good old I, Dawn. I do love the mainly because that's my husband's favorite. Mm-hmm. I do love the Myers. You mm-hmm. know, I do love their products, and so scents are kind of hard for me right now Mm -hmm. and they can trigger like headaches and things for me. So I have to pretty much go mild on, on scents that are out there. So I'm not able to actually explore that market and get some fun scents because a lot of time it can trigger a headache for me. So, right. All right. One task that you hate. The task that I hate. Hmm. We have concrete floors, and so when you, the stained concrete, and so when you do your floors, you're not on, you have to do them twice. Back yeah. in the day when you just vacuumed and it was once and done, now it's you vacuum and then you mop. And so that has been, that's not really my favorite, mm-hmm. having to do it double. So. I know, I know. <laughs> They're beautiful floors, though. <laughs> All right, how about a task that you grew to love? I would say laundry. Um, when I set off, to, I was the oldest child in my family, and my mom was very intentional to make sure I knew how to sort clothes properly, and mm-hmm. I would be doing my own laundry as I was off at college. And, um, and it's something that I've actually grew to love, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of let's see, anal about it. (laughs) So my family would tell you. Um, I'm very um, conscientious about colors and separating. And one little tip I've learned along the way is don't overload your washing machine and dryer because give it room, especially in the dryer. It needs room to breathe and move. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just, everything's all going to be wrinkled when it comes out. And I hate wrinkles. So laundry, I, I, I've grown to love laundry and, um, and, and the fact when you do divide it up into smaller loads, yes. Hey, when it comes time to take it out of the dryer, it's not a huge amount. And then you, you'll do it right because it won't take you forever. Cause I would get overwhelmed with that too. I know a lot of people struggle with laundry and it's sitting in baskets and you just go and grab your clean shirt out of the basket. <laughs> I, I hang up. I have to hang up because I everything has to be hung. Otherwise, I'm turning it again and getting those wrinkles out because I don't want to use. I don't want to have to iron. Yeah. And um, and another tip I've learned with laundry is a steamer. My girls turned me on to getting a handheld steamer, uh-huh. and that is so huge. So the ironing board hardly ever comes out anymore. Do you like your so, steamer? I've thought about getting one, and I haven't. I haven't ever looked into what, how to, you know, which one to get or whatever. I do like it, and uh, thankfully, I have you know grown daughters who have them, and they've kind of helped me pick out one, and I've Good. enjoyed it. So, so do you hang the clothing item like on a hook or something, and then you and then you just go to town with the steamer? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And most of the things that I wash don't ha- need a steamer, but right. there are a few things that you'll get that you know if it's a linen, something linen sure. or things like that. Is that, it is it as effective as ironing? Pretty close. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. Thanks. Well, how about your worst homemaking fail? You know, when I looked at these questions, Allison, I could not, I told my husband, what was my worst homemaking fail? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't think of one thing. I think 
when for me, failing was just allowing my emotions to take over because mm-hmm. I didn't really handle the events of the day well. Yeah. If I if I lost my temper with my kids or my husband, yeah. that would that's a fail for me. Yeah. And so so pinpointing it to one moment, uh, no, unfortunately, there have been uh, many moments, you know, that yeah. I would learn along the way. So that's good. Good yeah. answer. Good answer. Well, how about a memorable homemaking achievement? So a homemaking achievement that I did remember, um, because um, I chose to be a stay-at-home mom, and we we were living off of a football teacher, football coach's salary, which wasn't a lot. But I was determined to make it happen. I grew up in a family where my mom was at home, and and we didn't have a lot either. And it was really through that experience that I learned a lot. You know, even as a teenager, I learned how to make my own clothes. Mm. And um, so... So we had a season, you know, uh, at the time, I think we only had two kids. I was pregnant probably with, with our youngest. And um, I, something must have come up, some, one of those major home repairs or something. Something came up that, because my husband only got paid once a month, and that took those funds, that, that we needed these funds, and it left us with $50 for two weeks. Oh, wow. For gas, for groceries, anything. Goodness. And I'm like, Lord, okay, we can do this. I can do this. So I, we made it. In two weeks' time, we, we didn't have to borrow. I never borrowed money from my parents ever. Never at, we never asked for help. And we made it. And that was a huge, for me, a personal accomplishment. But I will have to tell you, there's something kind of fun about that. And uh, it's not a season that you want to live in all the time. (laughs) But we've been there. My husband and I, we were eating out recently. He said, remember how this used to be such a hard time for us, eating out Mm -hmm. and looking at everything very closely on the menu. And he said, we don't have to do that. And I'm like, I know it's very freeing, but you don't ever forget where you've been That's right. and you know, you can do it. And that's what I told him. Cause if something ever happened, Mm -hmm. I know we can do that. And it, it happened. I brought up that memory. You know, we, we made it on $50 for two weeks. How did you, you how did you do that? Can you remember some of the things you did to sort of make it through that time period? Yeah. So you, of course you take your calculator. Now you have it on your phone. Um, to the store with you, but you, and you learn to look in your pantry and see what's there. You'd be surprised at what you can actually make that you've already got in your pantry and use what you have. And, um, you don't have to go out and buy always Mm -hmm. because sometimes, and now with the tools of the internet, I mean, you can put in your ingredients and it'll give you a recipe, Yeah, you know? And so it's pretty cool, but using what we had and then just, Finding low-cost things to fix. Um, breakfast for dinner is, oh, yeah. is cheap. Super cheap. Eggs, mm-hmm. you know, or chalupas using beans, a can of refried beans, you know, and corn tortillas and things like that. I mean, right. you find you can find low-cost menus, and, and basically it was just making it happen. But mm-hmm. like I said, sometimes even when those kind of interruptions come and you know you've got 
your back's up against the wall. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make, we, we're going to do this. Yeah. We're going to make it happen. That, and, that and is a do. great accomplishment. <laughs> Very good achievement. Well, let's hear your top three homemaking tips. Okay. Top three. I think I gave one about the laundry. Yeah. Don't, don't overfill your laundry. Don't overfill. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for many reasons, because your clothes, they come out nicer. So your work is really less. And then, and, and the load's less. So yeah. yeah and it's less energy. It's like, especially with the dryer, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to work so hard. Yes. Cram it full of clothes. It's going to have to go that much longer to get those clothes dry. So. Right. So okay. it goes faster. Uh, another homemaking tip. Um, one thing I learned along the way, making a pot of rice, a lot of people are afraid of rice <laughs> because it sticks. Yeah. There is a tip that when you're cooking your rice um, and you check it and it's done, but you notice that on the, the bottom, it's all stuck to the pan. It doesn't have to stay stuck to the pan. The only thing you have to do is put the lid on it, put, the li- put a lid on it, walk away for about five to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm probably closer to 10 minutes. And when you take that lid off, all that rice that was on the bottom has loosened up. Something about the steam, that pressure loosens all that up. And it works every time. And you're not discouraged like, man, I love rice, but it always has this like an inch layer on the bottom that just sticks. And it it will totally loosen up from the pan. So So you're done cooking the rice. You take it off the heat, Mm -hmm. set it off on a trivet or something and put the lid on Mm -hmm. and let it steam there for five minutes or so five ten minutes Mm -hmm. okay yeah good tip yeah and you don't even have to set it on a trivet (laughs) you can just have it on your stove and put the lid on and walk away make sure yes make sure sure the heat is off okay yes got it because the steam the heat Mm -hmm. in there will help release it from the pan good to know yeah and that has been a game changer for me over the years yeah and not so discouraging let's see a third tip um I would say probably um, where I said earlier, just start early. Do what you can yeah. early because yeah. you never know what the day is going to bring. And just those few minutes of time that you took earlier in the mm-hmm. day, will be you'll be so glad you did. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, your future self thanks your past self. Right. <laughs> so I love that. Exactly. Okay. Those are great tips. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to end our time reflecting on the art of home. Okay. How do you see homemaking as an art? Hmm. I like, you know, now I'm guilty of, I'm not, my mom was one of those that would, and I admired that. She would change a room around, change the way it was set up. When we were younger, I would see her doing that. And I'm thinking, oh, that's so cool. I love how you moved the couch over here or, you know, did that. And I've known people who would have do that. I'm kind of once it's there, it stays there, <laughs> and um, and so. But I do love creating a palette of art and pleasing things that have kind of that may change. Is I do like to have you know fresh flowers when I can. Uh, I do have my go to vases that I use that just kind of live there. And um, I tend to buy the cheaper ones that last for two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, the, those that are have a long um, life in your vase. And uh, so I'm not having to replenish so often. 
Um, and basically, um, just creating a palette of, of beauty, but simplicity of learning to be simple, mm-hmm. learning to be mm-hmm. simple. And, um, and I like that. Well, how can we find beauty in homemaking when a lot of what we do is not really beautiful and it can be mundane and, you know, it can be monotonous work or sort of ugly work? Where can we find beauty in that? Well, one thing, because I'm guilty of um, comparing myself to people and feeling like I don't measure up. And, um, and there's even to the point, like, and I'm, I'm a fan of all those shows, you know, yeah. um, fixer upper shows yes. and, and awe and like, wow, that's so cool. And then you look around at your space and like, wow, my <laughs> house is so dated. And, um, people would totally want to come in and redo everything that I've done. I'm so obsolete. And, but I'm not changing. It's who I am. And this is reflection of who, who I am. So, and I'm comfortable with that. And, but I've had to kind of shut those voices off and realize I'm not going to be that person or please that, I don't know, demographic or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I just need to be comfortable with what makes me feel happy in my home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as far as the mundane things that we find that are boring, um, I have, I recently read a book um, by Jay and Catherine Wolf called Suffer Strong. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, when I saw it, my, one of my daughters recommended it to me. But of course, when you look at the woman on there, um, Catherine, she's paralyzed and her face looks like mine. And my face is paralyzed from my cancer on the right side. So of course I was drawn to that, but I've been drawn to their ministry. Uh, They have a ministry called Hope Hills. But in their book, Jay, he was writing a chapter where he shared a quote and um, I loved it. And it's just called, cease striving for what you want, but learn to love what what must be done. Learn to love what must be done. Mm. So just like through those seasons of homemaking, right, you can learn to love washing dishes or learn to love um, laundry. And he talks about a segment on laundry in that chapter because his life changed drastically. And he is now doing the laundry for for his family Mm -hmm. and his boys. And in just how he looks at each piece when he's handling it carefully and just in a, it, with different eyes because he can find it as a drudgery yeah. and we all can, right? Because it repeats every single day, you know, the dishes are always there or, you know, weekly things. So uh, I love that I embrace that, that cease kind of striving for what you want. Mm-hmm. And there, for all of us, what we want could be something totally different. We know what it is that maybe our hearts long for, but learn to love what must be done and, and to find beauty and joy in that. And I think it's just learning to find contentment mm. in where you're planted. Mm-hmm. So That's really great advice. Really good. Well, what word of advice would you give to a young homemaker 
who might be listening today? Uh, what I often hear and I see with young homemakers um, is they kind of want what we have as seasoned homemakers, but they don't realize that it took us a long time to get there. <laughs> yeah. And and some of it can be material things that they they want that nice home, but you and I talked about that in the beginning. We both lived in a single wide trailer early in our marriage. We mm-hmm. were young. We our expectations our expectations weren't set too high. Yeah. And and so I would say don't set your expectations so high that you can't even live there. You right. know that you're both striving so hard to have have it, have it all that you can't really enjoy it. Yeah. And so um because you look at those around you and maybe older, they didn't have it either when they were starting out at all and probably even a whole lot less than you. And so be content with what you have and learn that in time uh, you enjoy that season that you're in. And in time, those things, those other things will come. They will come, but don't, don't get in a hurry trying to, to, you know, have the American dream set before you right within yeah. your first two years of marriage. So. Yeah, that is very good advice. Very wise. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. It's been a joy to hear your story. I really appreciate you sharing with us. Thank you, Allison, for having me. I'm honored. Thank you so much for joining us today for this homemaker portrait of Terry Hall. So I think my favorite thing from this conversation uh, was Terry's perspective on the launching and the landing from the home. I love how she viewed her ongoing efforts of getting organized and maintaining order as a means towards more peaceful launches and more peaceful landings in her home. That is such a great perspective. So here's our challenge for this week. Let's spend the next few days just observing. All I want you to do is observe. How do your launches and your landings typically go? Are they peaceful or are they more chaotic, frantic, stressful? Do you find yourself getting frustrated and angry every time you try to walk out the door? Or maybe when it's when you come home, you're maybe dreading coming home because you know there's a gigantic pile of dishes in the sink or there's just going to be chaos when you walk in the door. So after you've done some observations, maybe take a couple of notes, maybe not, just do the observations. Let's think of one thing. Just one thing that we can do to help change our launch or, and or our landing into the home. And keep it practical. Don't overthink it. Think of a very practical thing you can do, a very actionable and measurable thing that you can do. And it might be something so simple, like if you find that you're constantly looking for your keys before you can leave the house, Maybe it's just put a little hook on the wall right by the door and start training yourself to hang your keys on that hook every time you come in the house. So don't overthink it. Just make some observations and then think of a practical thing you can do. And let us know. If you do put some hooks by the door, take a, take a photo and tag us over on Instagram uh, at the Art of Home Podcast. I would love to hear what sort of actionable things you're doing to help create more peaceful and joyful launching and landing. If this episode was helpful, would you pass it on to a homemaker you know who could use some of this encouragement? They can go directly to our website to listen, theartofhomepodcast.com forward slash podcast, 
or they can listen on any of the directories where podcasts can be found. Apple, Spotify, Google, Podchaser, all of them. So maybe you know which one they listen to and you can send them a direct link. This would help us tremendously just to start growing our audience and getting these stories out to more homemakers all over the world. That's who we're doing this for, and that's who we want to hear these episodes. And you can help us spread the word by sharing with a homemaker that you know. So thank you. You can connect with us on social. All the links to our platforms are down below in the show notes. And you can contact us by email, contact at theartofhomepodcast.com. Resources mentioned in this episode, including Terry's top three tips are listed below in the show notes and on our website. And don't forget, you can see inside Terry's home with a few snapshots will be posted over on the blog. Just click on the link to season three, episode four, a homemaker portrait with Terry Hall. Until next time, keep practicing your art of making a home. <laughs>